It sounds like a Nacho Libre quote, man. <laughs> I'm worried about your salvation and stuff. <laughs> Is that it? Mr. Scott Holbert. Hello, is this, is this Scott? How's the sound? Let me do Scott. This isn't Only video. Zach can see. <laughs> huh? People oh, can't see the faces you're making. <laughs> can we see? Uh, oh, it was like uh, Luke I can't, said I can't that. see you guys. Are you guys doing something? Yeah, Jeff, I'm making fun of you. <laughs> Jeff is making me smile. The veins on my forehead are popping out. <laughs> nah, I could see you guys. I saw that, Jeff. I'll remember that. Forever. Come so, on, Scott. Um, so, Scott, are we talking to Mexican Scott or is this white Scott today? This is complete Anglo Scott. I don't know what that means. I didn't go to school. You're powerful. This is weird. I'm sitting next to Zach, but I'm looking at Zach right there. And I'm like, wait, did he hear me say that? Yeah, did Zach hear you say that? You know, you your whiteness my head. is powerful I'm in my this head. country, Scott. Uh, how's the sound? The sound is great. Hey. Do you hear any wind? No, but you need to make sure that you are involved, engaged, and, and communicating and asking questions in this, in this one. Don't be on the, the sidelines. All right, I listened to one of his episodes. Which one? The la- uh, the one before it last about Andy uh, Andy Stanley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kurt Willems, not Williams. Kurt Willems is who we're talking about. He's coming up in just a few minutes on Bros, Bibles, and Beer. Hey Scott, who is Andy Stanley? Why is that name super familiar? Um, he is the pastor, lead pastor of. I think it's the largest congregation in uh, America, or at least one of. It's like top five. It's a big one, and we've talked uh, about him before. And it's I know I've heard that. This is so weird. I cannot hear you. Yeah, Zach. there's something called. Uh, You're not going to. <sighs> something like called that. the Andy Stanley controversy. Maybe just pull one of them off. Like yeah, Andy off. Stanley is controversial. Anywho, uh, Kurt Willems yeah. is a great guy. And I'm glad you're on, Scott, even though you're not in person. Where are you? <laughs> you're so full of it, Zach. I'm beautiful, the beautiful mall of Montebello. <laughs> <Yeah>. Interesting. <laughs> hey, people from Montebello, take offense for my laughter. Are you picking up yeah. some skinny jeans? Um, I don't think they sell skinny jeans in this part of town. <laughs> why not? Honestly, why not? No, they might. I don't know. Oh, now you're okay. Fine. Way to why don't you contribute commit. to the conversation? I'm rethinking my statement. Jeez. <laughs> Since when do you rethink? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Every once in a while, it does sound like your microphone is rubbing up against your chest hair. <laughs> so, is that what that is? Just so you know, you know that. It sounds like a foam. It's either paper ruffling here, so. or, yes, as Zach said, rubbing up against your chest hair. I guess if you have 
I don't have chest really hair. But yeah, it would be that stiff follicles. You know something that is uh, interesting. That's if great. I, if I'm, <laughs> if I may say so, is uh, Scott and I have been going back and forth a lot, a little bit on the pod, a lot off the pod about about the nature of God. And I don't want to start that now, but my point is... Oh, you guys are so late. much better when you're off the pod. We are <laughs> Zach and Scott, off the pod. That's our spinoff <laughs> podcast. It's bonus content for Patreon supporters. <laughs> um, but Scott and I are attacking Scripture from two different spots, so sometimes we can be arguing and past each other. Um, and that's... What does that mean? It means that... You're not listening to each other? Well, if if the Bible is like God's... Let's just say it is the words of God to us, and there's no like wiggle room, and there's like an equal authority to Scripture, an equal weight behind each passage of Scripture. The truth, okay. G- generally, that's... Are you comfortable with that, Scott? That's kind of where you're at? Generally? Yes. And then, so if Scott's talking about Bible verses from that perspective, and me, I don't believe in inerrancy. I don't believe all of the Bible is equally authoritative. Um, when I'm trying to make a point, verse, or if Scott's trying to make a point, it's when you're coming off those two starting points, you can start arguing past each other or not see where you're assuming the person, like I'm assuming Scott sometimes is coming from my biblical perspective and probably vice versa, and that creates a lot of tension and less understanding. But what I like about... Um, Scott, are you there? Yeah, Scott. We almost got you on Skype. Scott? Scott? Yes. Okay. Thank God. Hey, don't do that in the in the real deal when we've got Willems on. All right. How's the sound? The sound is fantastic, You've son. You've entered a tube. Yes. Anywho, all right, good. Anywho, <laughs> a little Skype delay. Usually we're in person. That so. was interesting, as Zach said. But uh, yeah, so the um, yeah, and that's something that I would want to get more information about. And oh, screw your information! I'm so sick of you talking about your information that you're going to get. <laughs> you know, yeah. let me uh, let me. Why don't you research your <laughs> information? <laughs> That's good podcasting, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Be more polarizing. That's the the research we got back from focus groups. Yeah. <laughs> Zach's always in the middle. You need more polarization. He's always trying to neutralize things. Zach's always sitting on the fence. Wait, women women aren't powerful. Wait a second. I think we should really think that. I mean, Somebody what did needs God to be really on say? Each side of the fence. What did God say that you know we're? It's kind of old, you know, men. And now, but it's really women and men. Jesus. I mean, Jesus is probably half woman. Okay. He's half woman. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead, we're, Scott. Great stuff. We, That's we, interesting. Yeah. It's interesting. It's fine, Scott. <laughs> How about North Korea, Scott? <laughs> It's just that's a good segue. I don't even remember my point to power, but I think it was just talking, you know, coming at conversations from different angles is a good thing, and seeing the Bible differently is something that's happened throughout history. And and so I I like 
Kurt in that he does have a point of view that we'll get to, but he does it in a way that's he might be the nicest guy in podcasting history. No. Um, I did see a poll from the International Podcasters Bureau of America. Did you just make that up? That I may have, but that he is he is one amongst the nicest people in podcasting. So, but he has a way of being like stating his point with in ways that are he calls them humanizing. He uses another adjective to have these these conversations in an adjective that I can't remember and humanizing ways so that you're not dehumanizing and insulting people like I do to you, Scott, consistently off the podcast. That's good. Maybe you can learn something from him. You know what? I'm not. You know what? Now I'm not. After you said that, I'm that not. That was passive aggressive, Scott. <laughs> You're an a hole. <laughs> and when I say a hole, I mean artifacts, beer, whole drinking. Wow, that was real. That's great stuff, Jeff. More interesting stuff. That was Jeff. interesting. Yeah, People are now hey, looking Jeff. up artifacts. That's yeah, a new how, brew. How how much have you had to drink today so far, Jeff? That's a Actually, great I've had question, like, Scott. I've had three sips, but it's probably my first beer in... I mean, I've had a little sips of beer over the last few weeks, but Zach's forcing me to drink. And he's staring at me oddly. <laughs> I haven't had much to drink. And what are you drinking in five words or less review? Well, it's enjoy by, so here we go. I don't know what it enjoy by. What was it? August Stone enjoy by uh, August fourteenth or something like that. Uh, July fourth, America's birthday. Let me let me take a sip and then I'll give you my five word review. It might be less than five words. He raises the glass up, takes a sip. Bitter, tasty, sting, fruit. <laughs> <laughs> one, one more. One, one more. <laughs> oh. All right. You heard it here, people. Bitter tasting sting fruit. Stone enjoyed by IPA. I'm also drinking the same thing, and it's just... You never lose with enjoy by. Boom. So that was nine words, but that's okay. It started with you never lose. You started with, with it's just. enjoy by. Six words. You did it's just... And that is a contraction. That was actually it is. So it's two words. Strike that from the record. Okay. We're talking now nonsense. we're down to six. What are you, a teacher or something? <laughs> uh, oh, hey. Can I mention? I will. We're at the softball. We're at our, you know, whatever. We're playing sports. We're Again, competing. Kurt Williams we're coming competing up right for the top of the God. Hour. We're competing. We're loving, playing, good sportsmanship. Okay. And. The umpire, after we're done, says, everybody, pray right now for Donald Trump. He is meeting with the leader of North Korea right now. And I thought, oh. And somebody looked at me, and they said I had a face that, like, I looked like I was going to throw up or something. I'm like, well, they actually said that to me. And I, I thought, well, I... It's resting fart face smell, <laughs> fart smell face. I'm like, I, I'm like, what's the big deal? One man meeting with another. They just happen to be leaders in their countries, and so what? Big deal. Yeah, it's just like us talking on the podcast. Yeah. yeah. No yep. big deal. Who cares? I mean, 
Yeah, okay, maybe it's significant because we've we've made uh, the North the North Korean leader like some evil person or evil country. Uh, we, we've made him. That? Is that what God does? Like those people are evil. No, they don't. So where's the grace and mercy for for what the heck? Sorry, Zach's doing mechanical work on my. What's this thing called? A microphone boom or something? It's not a boom. Don't rest your weight on the mic stand. It is cheap from Amazon. No offense on Amazon.com. I don't think you can affect Amazon no matter what you say. Anyway, I just, I thought, like, pray for Donald Trump because he's meeting with the North Korean leader. I'm like, uh, no. Well, it is kind of a big deal. For who? Um, For the media? Some, I mean... They got to sell some ads. Obama, Clinton, Bush, Bush. All of them would have wished they could have made this meeting. This is a Ronald Reagan... This is a Ronald Reagan Gorbachev moment. That's what it is. With less birthmarks. (laughs) Was that the state of Alaska on his forehead? Trump and Kim Jong-un, now with 100% fewer face birthmarks. (laughs) (laughs) That was interesting. (laughs) We'd like to welcome all you Kurt Willems fans we have coming up. People are listening right now and they're like, what is going on with these guys? Well, I was... Yeah, wait, uh, Jeff, are you serious or... or Serious about what? Serious about about what? About this being not a big deal or what? what? I mean... Um, I think it's a, okay. I think it's a big deal in regards to diplomacy. I think it's, I think what people miss from Donald Trump is he does, he just, he steps into stuff that seems, (laughs) seems like, uh, impossible or, you know, or, or makes people question, what are you doing? But it's like, okay, well, let's go back to the, what do you, what do you mean? What are you doing? Well, that's a communist country. They don't even care about their people. It's like, who's spewing that information? And those people have lived that way for a lifetime. So Donald Trump's going over there, our president, and he's going to actually connect with someone, which... Not my president. Seems like a good thing to do. So what's the big deal? The fact that he's even standing with him, I think is, it's obviously unprecedented, that our president is standing with the North Korean leader, but I think that's awesome. It's unprecedented. Does it need prayer in regards to what? I'd be uh, more prayer for the media, like, please don't hijack the thing and turn it and spin it into ridiculousness. Hey, if you ask me, nothing needs prayer, so I laugh at it all. (laughs) Thank you for changing your tone, Zach. (laughs) Well, uh, okay, I'll I'll go with that. Um, yeah, we're we're I think we're called to pray for our leaders. Um, and there's there's a few million people in North Korea that aren't doing very well under under the dictatorship of of the of the Uns. Um, they're, yeah, they're there's poor. a few million people, and then some not doing so hot in the United States as well. Yeah, right, so, so yeah, we should F them, Jeff. Yeah, so, so that means we shouldn't. We shouldn't no, it doesn't pray mean for, that we shouldn't pray, but. <laughs> You're pointing. This is what the media does. They point things out, and it's like, but isn't that true for us as well? Like, what oh, does it mean? Like, what does it mean? What is? What do we do? 
what do, what do we do and not do? Because, what are we praying because for? Because we, we're not praying for everybody. Then what we, are we, we, we praying don't pray for, for anybody? Yeah, but what, what are, are we praying saying? for? I'm so ticked off, Scott. I'm praying. <laughs> I'm praying for this conversation to end. I so regret this whole conversation. <laughs> no, because this is probably good podcasting. Well, it is. Well, no, it's. It's the potentiality to for get juicy. Potentiality to get juicy. <laughs> yeah. so we're high five um, here without you, Scott. To get uh, to open up North Korea to the, uh, the world economy, which will help to lift their people out of poverty. Totally. Yeah, I think I think that's a big deal. We, Plus, okay. going from the threats of of. Uh, firing missiles. Oh, that's BS. Uh, Don't give me this missile crap. They're not going to fire missiles at anybody. Usually they do, but it's into the ocean. (laughs) Whoa! Hey, watch out, trouts, barracudas. Was that freshwater trout? (laughs) Oh, man. I don't even know what to make of this right now. (laughs) I'm trying to figure out how to segue back into our guest coming out, but just a bit at the top of the hour. (laughs) Kurt Kurt Williams, he's he's got a, a website called Theology Curator, and he's got a podcast. Oh, Theology Curator. Oh, my gosh. The podcast That's is called mean. The Paulcast. Also, Great. Rapture Drill. So I guess it could tie in in that we could mm-hmm. usher in Armageddon through these moves. I have a segue. One Kurt, word. Kurt Willems, known as the most kind person on podcasting, and now According the North the- Korean leader. So, Scott, what were we talking about there? I agree. So I'll just, I'll be like a Fox or CNN, CNBC, whatever. I'll just ask you the question and I'll answer it myself. Um, so Lead you've got, you've got the North Korean, you got the North Korean people who, yes, there's probably not, um, like a family that's in a, just a cycle of this is normal. They don't know anything different and it's not their fault. It's just, that's how it's been forever. And and when others see, you know, someone not living as they live, then or not aspiring or not having certain, you know, what they would call freedom, um, they put it on them as a negative. And I would say that those people have been living a certain way, and they like it, Scott, because it's always been that way. And they find, <laughs> yeah, pur- where's this going? Hold on, they find purpose in that. They find purpose in 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 serving and. If we would call it almost slavery, and, and Rick Warren's <laughs> book is a bestseller over there, Scott. <laughs> anyway, I think yeah, their their purpose is to run across the DMZ and hope they only get shot twice. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, the <laughs> but I I agree if if the peep and I agree and d- don't agree if if Donald Trump goes over there and. I'm not exactly sure what would come of it. I just I know what the Reagan era brought with Gorbachev and and also the East the Berlin Wall and you know what took place was was great diplomacy and and put a country um back together and made it whole in Germany and and also brought a little bit of capitalism oh. to Russia. And will that happen in North Korea? I mean, if North Korea and South Korea become one, that would be amazing. Did you almost say North Dakota right there? (laughs) No, but that would be amazing, (laughs) right, Scott? That would be amazing. Like if it would be, I know it would be 
and if and if literally if Donald Trump just walked away from four years of being the president and that's what he accomplished, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. That's the grand slam in the ninth inning, wow. three two pitch. 3-2 pitch, bases loaded on Sh- top of the Empire State shut Building. Shut up, Zach. <laughs> you shut up. If it sounds like I'm di- dismissing whatever you're talking about, I am. <sighs> yeah, you've got you got Dennis Hackersley and Araldis Chapman both pitching you, at you at the same time. <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, only I'll one. strike out against both of them. No, you'd hit a homer off of Eckersley. He's old now. <laughs> it's right now, right, Scott? Yeah, right now. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It'd probably be a seventy-nine mile per hour pitch. He's still got the stash, though. Wait, is he dead? May he rest <laughs> in peace. Is he? No, Eckersley's not dead. Mm. I hope not. I thought I just saw him. I, I, I just forget. wanted him to get in a good. We digress. Sleep. We digress completely. Sklar <laughs> Brothers. Okay. Well, it's uh, fifty-eight minutes from the bottom of the hour. <laughs> it's two minutes from the top of the hour. We got uh, Kurt Williams coming up. Just after this, after a weather report from Scott. <laughs> I believe it's twenty. It's sunny out here, Montebello. Beautiful. I do. I uh, do see some skinny jeans. So uh, stand corrected. Over. And uh, the sports report from Jeff Pearson. What are you learning, Jeff? Well, it looks like the Kansas City Royals are really sucking it up. They, they are shit the bed. second. Yes, they're second from last. I think they're twenty-two and forty-five, and that is just horrible. They're under three thirty-three for winning percentage, but somehow they're only six and a half games back from, or no, sorry, fourteen games back from Port from first place. And if they were in the Boston Red Sox Yankees league, they'd be four hundred games back. But somehow their league sucks because the Indians are in first place. How much of that was accurate? That's uh, uh, probably ninety percent. I just watched the game and looked at the standings. You last are night. a Kansas City fan. I I know, and loyal to a fault. I, you know what? It's not Donald Trump that needs prayer. It's the Kansas City Royals. <sighs> I'll be sure and start praying again for that one for you, Jeff. No, please don't. All right. Well, let's uh, see if we pray can... for my traveling mercies. Are we actually going to see Kurt? Uh, I told him we like to do video. Yeah. We like to see our target, aim at the target. I don't like that Scott just disappears. I wish you would say like, We're calling yes, him right now. Yes, uh-huh, right. Got it, Jeff. You're you full of it. it. You Thank it. you. Thank you. Seriously, Scott, you better be on your game from Skypeville. I'm going to try to uh, make Don't try. Side. I don't want to hear We're you try. I want you to do podcast kindness list i'm gonna make them the detroit of podcasters oh (laughs) what a failing car industry city (laughs) what does that make you of podcasters scott i'm like the uh why don't you be the the tesla of podcasting looking good you're here and i know you're going somewhere but if there's a huge solar flare, we're done. <laughs> By the way, you guys did see my the tort, the uh, flamethrower. Oh it's yeah, co- they're they're supposed to be making the boring company. Dude, I I am I'm gonna buy that for Caleb. He's gonna love dude. He's gonna love playing with that. I, I I couldn't tell if that was a real story or not, but I've I've seen it a couple Caleb, of days uh, from different outlets. And Caleb's uh, your two year old. California has apparently <laughs> lost their mind. Caleb is five, and he would love a flamethrower, and I'd love to give it to him. I'd just be like, just stay away from our house. He would do some damage. 
some good damage. Yeah, fl- flamethrowers are not dangerous, but you put a pistol grip on a rifle. Oh man, jeez, a pistol grip <laughs> on a rifle? Could you catch me up to speed there, Scott? Up. Oh, do we have Kurt? Hey, how's it going? Hey, hey. We have Kurt. Hey. Caught us mid conversation. We, we, what's that? You caught us mid conversation. Oh, you're good. Keep doing your thing. No, I'll you're here. Out. You are here. <laughs> this is exciting. And wow, we, the mic boom there, Kurt, is that thing is amazing. It's legit. He has a shock mount you know, and everything. Yeah, I always get that. I especially get that when I'm talking to people that have no idea what podcasting is. It's like, oh my gosh, who is this guy? <laughs> what kind of apparatus is that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it looks cooler than it probably is financially. It wasn't, you know, it's whatever. But, yeah, yeah. It was five ninety nine at Target. <laughs> yeah, you know, got a good deal. Now so, is that the uh, is that the Audio Technica mic, or have you upgraded? This is the what was this one called? I've had it for like two years. It's the oh, I love this. Start with the. Hang on, it's heel, H E I L. Oh, that yeah, you've definitely upgraded. Yeah, is that yeah. German, probably it's probably like Heil or something. <laughs> I, don't <know. laughs> I don't know what's going on. That's right, Kurt Willems here. Yeah, Kyle Kurt. By the way, is this interview like where are we at? In we're this just, whole zone? Yeah. we're just no, gonna, no, okay. we're just gonna talk. This is no, uh, this cool. is this. We'll call this semi interview, but it's interview. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Right on. Hey, the right the on. reason I point out the mic is you do have on your website, Theology Curator, you have a section for podcasting tips and startup tips, and you do yeah. list the. We're actually using the mics that uh, you recommend as they're like the universally recommended podcast startup mics. Yeah, yeah, the audio, yeah, yeah. ATR, 2100. Uh, whatever, yeah, I can see it, yeah, yeah, for sure. I love we do this, no. you, you know, every once in a while we do a beer review, and we drink our beer, and then we have five words or less, which we did about 10 or 15 minutes ago, but then we always come on, and, and Zach, who's, you know, a musical man, he, All know, right. he, he sees, he sees uh, you know, the, uh, the instruments that people are using, and he, He's like, oh, well, let's get into that. And I'm completely bored. I'm like, what are they talking yeah. about? Technica no, what? I feel you. I feel you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I've had to, I, I don't know anything about sound. I don't know anything about the interwebs besides like having a social media account until like I decided to do stuff like this and I've had to hack it as I go. So I, <laughs> I yeah. just, I, I try to be one step ahead of like people who don't do this. So that's barely <laughs> any knowledge at all. So <laughs> but yeah. you just, you just play it off like, Oh, well I use uh, the heel uh, microphone along with my, in my podcast and we publish, uh, you know, just a fantastic, uh, you know, sound and people are like, wow, that you sound like you're, you know, really on top of it. Oh yes, absolutely. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like totally. I'm in an NPR studio, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Yeah. And by the way, I don't even know, like I'm looking around. I don't know how much of my office you see my, uh, doesn't matter to me. I see stacks of books to your left. (laughs) Yeah. And they're actually mostly on the shelf. So I just got done writing like thesis and written exams and stuff. Serious. Wow. This is still chaos, but it's less chaotic than it was like a week ago. Now, so, now down in the yeah. left, is that a is that a cat door or dog door? Is that some kind of? No, you're right. What is that down there? Looks like a vent. No, no, no behind you. 
Lights straight behind me? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's just a vent. That's a little electric heater, I think. Yeah, yeah. Nice. It looks like a cat door in the video. I see it now. Yeah, it's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, no, but speaking of animals, down below me on this side, oh, I have two dogs. I see so, one. So, yeah, let's see if I if I just do this, what happens. Yeah. Can you kind of see them? Yeah. I don't know. I don't Yeah, yeah so. two dogs. What kind? Oh, uh, ones that Jesus rescued from the pound. So <laughs> Jesus rescued from the pound dog. That's fantastic. Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, so I don't have any idea. Seven but, breeds uh, in one. Yeah. <laughs> so Ugh. did you get, you are in fact a master's in divinity? You're a full wizard now or you, you still have more going on? Oh, yeah. No, I, I did my MDiv actually back in the day. So oh. I had... Yeah, I got an MDiv at Fresno Pacific uh, Biblical Seminary, and I, f- I graduated in like 2012. And you didn't then let I me finish. Went back to school. <laughs> you didn't was let that? me finish. I was about to say congratulations on that. Uh, what I know you're bar- you were just buried in schoolwork. What was that for? Oh, okay. okay. For some yeah, reason, yeah, yeah. I thought that was your master's, but oh no, no, for sure. Yeah, so I went back and I got a. Uh, Master of Arts in what is it? It's technically international studies, just because how it's housed, nice. but it's comparative religion. Um, yeah, and I studied uh, Paul like crazy and classics basically. So um, took a bunch of courses with a bunch of people that are really smart when it comes to translating Greek, and I felt like a outcast most of the time. Yeah. To be honest, right and, here, uh, I'm yeah. with you, Kurt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, and uh, that was the second degree. So that was a master's as well. So that was more of like a where an MDiv is like a broad sort of practitioner sort of thing. Uh, this was a focused um, research based. Okay, kind of when, degree. just to so, go back when you were, yeah. you said you felt out of place. So what is it that those people are bringing to the course that you oh. were like, I'm, I'm not in this ballpark. Oh. I'm not in this Dude. arena. You know, when it comes to language, it doesn't, it hasn't been easy for me, to be honest. Uh, languages okay. are like my one challenge. I mean, I've gotten through and uh, did fine, but the uh, reality is I would be sitting in a Greek reading class. We're reading Xenophon or something, and there's one these does. 18 year yeah, as one does, right? <laughs> and, uh, you know, there's these like 18 year old kids who grew up, you know, in classical education <laughs> and read Greek because they've been reading it for 10 years already. And Oh, wow. You, you know what I mean? Like, and, and that might be a little overstated, but, you know, they major in this stuff. And so here I am, 34-year-old dude trying to figure out how to, how to hack it. And uh, it was really impressive, to be honest. I mean, to see some of these uh, younger students kind of do their thing. But yeah, right. I mean... I'm I'm a religion major, which means yeah, I need some some ancient languages. But these guys like thrive on it, you know. And so, uh, yeah, it was utterly fascinating and honestly a gift uh, to really be in that environment. But yeah, so um, yeah, when I when I when I listen to uh, our the church the pastor that um, when he's preaching, every once in a while he brings up definitions like in Greek this means and it, uh, it kind of yeah. goes in I, I appreciate that it's yeah, i mean yeah. i feel like i'm getting an education when i'm in in church in language but Total. i i'm like why to go into that and get a masters i mean you're 
you obviously have something you see in the future or it's going to add to to something in in your life yeah. so yeah what's that adding sure sure so i mean that's a great question i mean i think at the end of the day what it was for me number one honestly is a very personal challenge like can i really do this so there's that part of it like right do i um i'm like i don't know if you guys know the enneagram or anything like that but like i'm a very like big picture uh, by nature, non-analytical kind of person. And uh, I'm a seven uh, on that deal. And for me, uh, on the personal side was, this is a an invitation to be present to what's right in front of me and to do the hard thing. So that was very like discipline. Like, yeah, wow, I totally. Gain, just, you know, so that was a frame. Um, when it comes to academics, uh, yeah, I mean, you you start to discover a lot of really interesting nuances when you can read the uh, various New Testament passages in their original language, for instance. And uh, it doesn't make you, you know, I don't think it makes you a better, you know, thinker or anything about things. But for me, I mean, if I... God likes you more a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, he does. You know, God God does like me more. Ooh, you but lit up there. Yeah, yeah, you know. No, so I, I mean... Uh, but to be very practical, uh, my my thesis would not exist if I did not have access to understanding the function of the language, um, because a lot of the arguments when you get to that level of technicality really depends on which Greek word is being used and how it's being used, which manuscript omits that word versus other ancient manuscripts. I mean, it does get into the hair, the, the kind of hairy details, which um, you know, most people could care less about, but you know, when you're making a, uh, a, an argument for something which, uh, I was doing, uh, right. those little nuances actually build the argument. Uh, they help build the argument. What so. was your argument in your thesis? So I'm going to be very general yeah, only please. because, uh, it's, my main idea, I haven't gone public with it at all. And that's actually intentional because I may do PhD work based on this. And nice. If it if it floats out there, I don't want to have to change my idea because someone else is running with it. So yeah. Uh, I know that sounds silly, but uh not at all. Yeah. You know what it's uh, side note, um, you know, this thesis is like 70 pages. It burns a hole inside of me that I can't just like share it all the time. Oh, like I, I have so uh, much content that I could just be like dumping into my podcast and other places. Yeah. And so anyway, so that's a side note. But yeah, um, in short, I looked at Galatians and Romans and looked at sort of like how do I put it? Like an eschatological uh, sort of thread that is similar between the two, meaning end timesy thread, right? Um, and what else? And, and the role of ethics within it. So there was um, how does the future inform the present uh, for followers of Jesus? That that will be the most specific I can get. But okay. Yeah. So just to follow up on that. When you yeah. were doing your research, when you were digging into this, was was there any point where you dug into something where it made you question some of your beliefs? Ooh, that's great. I mean, uh, throughout the whole program, I would say there were moments like that, you know. Um, like, I believed this, and now this is making me question the 
you know, the foundation that I stand on with, you know, this scripture or this verse or, or oh, this. Oh, oh. Was Paul yeah. saying one thing and then you realize, well, there's more to the picture there. Definitely the more to the picture side, but not the foundation side. Okay. Um, you know, I, I mean, the more I've done scholarship, I think the more I've learned to doubt um, and be okay with that. Um, because, but it takes for me, it takes a deep sense of relationality with Jesus to do that with safety. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I think I have more doubts and questions than I've ever had. And yet I have a stronger sense of, uh, the abiding life in Jesus than I've ever had too. So it's kind of a paradox in a sense. And so, and I hear that from many people who, you know, study this stuff, uh, you know, once you answer one question, you actually aren't answering it. You're just getting another step into more questions. And, yeah, right. um, and that's okay. Like I've just learned to embrace that. Um, you know, some things I sit with at times about like the historical, whatever about Paul, for instance, um, I may be able to feel like that might be true, whatever. And I, you know, I could come up with examples, I'm sure, but like, just generally speaking, like, oh, this is true probably about Paul within his historical context, but the way I understand this theological idea seems to be somewhat in conflict with that thing I just learned. And I've learned to just sit with it. And what's been interesting is a lot of those tensions, um, yeah, eventually fix themselves (laughs) along the way as I learn more. Um, but yeah, so I don't, I don't think there's anything like I didn't go in, you know, I'm in the secular university and, People worry about that. For some people, do at least. And mm-hmm. uh, I, not Slippery only was I, slope. Res- yeah, you know, because it, it could lead to all kinds of uh, demonic ideas polluting your brain or whatever. Yeah. And and you know, like for me, honestly, I I had a great uh, experience at the University of Washington. The faculty respected me. My peers were kind and generous. I mean, my peers even like invited me to come speak to one of their cohorts about being a Christian pastor in, uh, that also does this scholarship stuff. And no one, I'm pretty sure no one in the room was Christian. Um, and they were like, we think it's so cool that you do this. And we hate the, uh, the perception that people should divorce their spirituality from their scholarship. Mm. And and that's not, you know, that's totally different than the whole God is not dead movie sort of mentality. You know, that was not my experience. Yeah. Yeah. The AB like one side is it's like all or nothing basically. Yeah. Yeah. No, they did. They thought that was horrible. They, Mm. you know, they, they, you know, and that's been my experience. Like, uh, and granted, some of my professors happen to also be people of Christian faith, but that wasn't the norm by any stretch. Yeah. So, so yeah, no, I, I, I guess that's a long way to say that, yes, things in that environment of uh, just studying and growing certainly, yeah, lead to more questions. But uh, I, I would say in a personal way, uh, I've never, never known Jesus more fully experientially than I do in this moment. And that's pretty amazing. So that is, that's beautiful. Real quick on the Enneagram, you mentioned, uh, I think Jeff is a seven. Really? And Scott, who is on Skype, I believe with us, normally he's in the room. Are you there, Scott? (laughs) Oh, how funny. 
I'm here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wondered what uh, I have this like little gray circle that says SH, and I was like, <laughs> is it going to finish the word? Like, is there an it after that? Or yes. Something? Like, I'm a little confused. It's like, usually for it's for shit, or sometimes just. <laughs> Yes, that's the problem. When he, <laughs> yeah, he 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 does not. He wants to save money on gas and not drive from where he's uh, where he's at from Wednesday to Friday. We usually podcast on a Monday, and oh, okay. uh, yeah, so he's he's picketing from you know from uh, wherever he is. Yeah, he just he won't drive the forty miles or thirty yeah. miles or what is it twelve Here. miles, Scott? That you won't drive? It's about fifty. Oh, okay. oh, oh, sorry. Yeah, that's legit, dude. I wouldn't drive 12. Especially so in Southern you know. California. <laughs> yeah. But what I was saying is Scott is a five on the Enneagram, and I'm a nine, except okay. when I'm talking to Scott about theology. Oh, interesting. Well, okay. actually, when you were saying okay. that you're a big picture guy, I'm a big picture guy, but I'm also an analytical person. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I, I mean, I like big picture, but I like getting into the details of things, but, you know. That's, no, yeah, yeah, that's no, and I think that uh, you're probably a very integrated seven. You're you're in the health, if uh, you like the details. I I would assume that's that's, uh, good. We, that's up for debate. But no, well, I yeah, I don't even just... know you. So what am I saying? <laughs> you know what, Zach? You're in punching range of me. <laughs> yeah, I, I will say just to butter you up a little bit in case you know things get interesting later. Uh, your podcast was super helpful for me. I saw it on the charts in iTunes, the podcast. Sure. Um, yeah, for a long cool. time, like a long time ago, I don't know exactly when you started it, but uh, uh, yeah, yeah, a couple years, like two years. I think it's been two years now. Yeah, three, two, two. Yeah. I yeah. at the time I was, you know, having what people call quote deconstruction, reconstruction. Sure. And mm-hmm. um, I've heard. I think Science Mike says he broke up with Paul. I was yeah. kind of in that phase where I just I came out of the super pretty conservative evangelical framework and was just in the uh, trying not to reject everything, but kind of rejecting just things. unstable in your faith. Really, really unstable. Yeah. Wasn't sure about my salvation and whatnot. No, but, uh, uh it sounds like a nacho libre quote, man. <laughs> I'm worried about your salvation and stuff. Is that, uh, did he baptize him? You know that That's my favorite. Yeah. I quote, Anyway, I probably reference that like once a week. So anyway, sorry That's, for everyone else who's heard me say that. That is um, rad. Yeah. yeah, but anyways, your podcast was super helpful in rediscovering Paul. I avoided it because I yeah. miss. I didn't really look into it. I thought, he's talking about Paul. I really don't like Paul right now. But when I finally listened to it, I think it was after you were on Inglorious Pastors, who we have like kind of a relationship with. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, yeah. That's when I really checked it out. Because you're listening to you, you're just so likable. You just seem like Aww. a really likable guy. You might <laughs> be terrible. You. I don't know you, but you sound super likable. I'm kind of the worst, but you know. <laughs> That's uh, what we thought, actually. It, the microphone helps a lot. Heal. I'm just saying, you know, this is a likable microphone situation. Yes. Yeah, so. definitely. But I, I really appreciate what you're doing because yeah, yeah. it de- definitely fleshed out and showed that there's so much more to the picture than just me amateur theologian that is just reading English words and gets frustrated by what he reads sometimes. And I'm sure we can get into some of that contextual stuff, but it it was very, very helpful to see there's more to the picture than just, 
oh, Paul's an asshole. You know, that was yeah. k- kind of yeah. what was going yeah. on for me a little bit at the time. You sure. can't believe you said that about Paul. Well, he might have been. I don't know. He, some people still say he was a little surly. I don't know what you think about that. Grace and mercy. Good. Grief. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, there's, there's a lot to say about all of that. But uh, no, that's, that's awesome. I mean, I, that's why I do a lot of that. You know, people, people in the past more probably than now have often said, like, why do you like to do these kinds of theological things or whatever. And, uh, for me, it's always been motivated by my love for the church and, uh, not like intellectual ideas without a rooted human experience gets old. And so to have people say, you know what, like I'm ready to give up on Paul, which is a kind of big deal just because, uh, although he's not Jesus, he's the earliest witness we have to Jesus in mm-hmm. the new Testament. Um, you know, like, like to be able to, step back and say, Hey, have you thought about this? You know, and, uh, I might be wrong at the end of the day, but if I give people handles that are at least options, um, my hope is that they'll seek the Jesus Paul preached. And if they do that, um, perhaps, uh, their, their lives will be enhanced because of it. And so, um, yeah, for me, that's a, that's a huge deal. Um, I, I think they really for me, mission or, um, pastoral realities definitely intersect with some of that scholarship. Now, some of it's just whatever, let's just nerd out on stuff, but you know, like there's some real world implications, I think. So. Yeah. With, there's a lot of, well, the, the perceived sexism, um, sure. and even like the sexual aspects of it, there's some bully passages that, mm-hmm. um, people have used, um, whether or not their theology is correct, it's definitely a track record of misuse and abuse has has taken place uh, for sure. But what got you into Paul? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I, so I grew up probably a lot like you, uh, you know, conservative evangelical youth group kid, the whole deal. Um, I mean, it was uh, a great Christian experience. I mean, I, you know, I look back at those years and I'm like, that wasn't that bad. Uh, some people get it pretty bad. And, uh, for me it was, you know, just prepackaged cookie cutter sort of, uh, answers, I think that were helpful at the time, but became decreasingly helpful over time. And so I grew up liking Paul. Uh, I, I thought Paul was where you went if you wanted the meat or whatever of mm-hmm. the Bible. And, uh, uh, you know, eventually, as I did my own deconstruction in my early 20s, especially, I got to a point where um, I embraced the teachings of Jesus in a new way. Um, the Gospels became very central to my spirituality, the Sermon on the Mount, especially. I'm a Mennonite dude, so like I, I re-embraced that part of my own history that I'd sort of, um, you know, I preferred uh the war in Iraq to nonviolence for a long time. <laughs> you know, Same. I was, yeah, I mean, I, I was your standard, uh, dude when it came to all things political intersecting with, uh, my evangelicalism and God broke me of that, I believe, uh, you know, and as was that there a happened, moment? there were moments, yeah. um, one that sticks out for you. Yeah, I mean, the ultimate moment, it was my first year in seminary. Uh, It was the summer after my first year in seminary. And there was already a a huge progression towards sort of that so-called breaking. Um, 
but I was at a Jesus for President uh, tour event with Shane Claiborne and Chris Ha and some other dudes. Okay. Uh, it was awesome, right? And you know they were hippieing out or whatever. <laughs> 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 They're doing their thing that they they do, you know. And uh, um, they presented just this compelling case for the nonviolent, enemy loving. Um, upside down kingdom of Jesus. And I just sensed for me, I, I really strongly sensed the Holy Spirit saying, what else do I need to show you? Mm. You know? And um, so I, it was that night where I said, I, I think I'm really, I really believe this sort of Anabaptist, Mennonite, nonviolence Jesus thing. And so, so during those early years, like it was this rediscovery of Jesus, rediscovery of the gospels. And, um, you know, Paul along the way made sense within that framework. Um, I, he was never really an enemy of mine. Um, but I went to, when I came to Washington, we planted a church here called Pangea. Um, I decided to go back to school and, uh, like we were talking about earlier, and my first quarter there, I was all about that book of Revelation. I mean, I just wanted to apocalyptic this and, you know, empire subversion that. And uh, Revelations are really good texts for that kind of work. And I wrote a couple papers on it. And the next quarter, got into another class. And we had one week about Paul. That was it. And um, in this uh, graduate seminar where we talked about Paul, it's like the lights went on. And... Um, Lo and behold, I realized that there was a lot of um, what Paul uh, has to offer that um, is really digging up some new territory in scholarship. And uh, I fell in love, not with Paul, like in love, but, you know, like <laughs> I fell in love with the, the pursuit of figuring out who this historical guy named Paul was. And so um, my interest uh, beyond like my theological and pastoral stuff, like academically is really who is the historical Paul and what did he teach and why did he teach it and how were his communities forming? And so um, that's what started that journey. And uh, it took me about uh, four school years to finally get through that program as a pastor, dad, husband, uh, guy trying to live a normal life. Uh, dog and, owner. Uh, you know, dog owner. Yes. Double dog owner. Double dog. Yeah. <laughs> There's all kinds of weird stuff that we could go there with. Um, but yeah, so, uh, yeah. And that's, I mean, that's where I fell in love with Paul. And so like partway through that program, I was like, wow, I'm learning all this stuff about Paul that is helpful. Maybe I should say some of it. And saying stuff is a lot faster for me than writing stuff, even though I love writing. It's probably my first love. Um, I can say stuff and it's less work for me. So I, yeah. I, I was like, maybe I should podcast this stuff. And I did. And, you know, lo and behold, uh, folks who want to go deeper with Paul have kind of enjoyed it. And yeah, mm. so that's kind of where, where it all started, though. Yeah, it's amazing how much, how deep and wide Pauline scholarship can go based on, you have so many different guests that have different focuses on certain aspects of Paul it's yeah. You would never. I mean, unless you get into this stuff or go to school for it or or read the right people, your average Christian just is just reading these English words and missing just huge amounts of information that would bring a lot of light to stuff. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely affirm that, uh, that impulse, but I, I would say this, like, I try to be very careful. Um, you know, you said English words. Absolutely. Yeah. There's, there's so much right in the original languages and the culture and the context, but, but I never want to discourage regular folks from just being okay with the English words, you know, just know that, uh, what you're reading um, it's up for challenge and it's up for debate and to listen to voices that um, stretch your imagination on some of those questions, even if you don't quite under understand like the nuances of a what's a genitive, what's a blah, 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 you know, all these Greek things. Um, so so on the one hand, I want to say, yeah, you can go deep without going as deep. Mm -hmm. um, but on the other hand, yes, I think scholarship is uh, if we let it is a gift to the church and can. Um, hopefully open people up to deeper experiences with uh, Jesus. So, I like that. That's beautiful. What are some misconceptions about Paul that when you, in your deep dives from your opinion can be corrected when you flesh out some of the stuff that goes beyond what your average person knows, if that makes sense? Yeah, no, that's I good. I know there's probably a bunch, but what are a few? The typical, there, there's a lot of hot issues, you know, male, male and female relationships, hierarchies, you know, whether yeah. we should speak, that type of thing. What are some things that jumped out to you? Yeah. Yeah. So that's definitely one. Um, and you know, I personally, in my undergraduate, I came to a point where I was able to affirm women in ministry and in, you know, egalitarian households or whatever, you know, so so coming into my later studies, uh, I had a pretty strong conviction in that direction. Um, but, you know, the more I look at it, yeah, I think that's still probably the number one. It's very fascinating. People outside of Christianity, people within Christianity that are like questioning if they want to stay. Uh, Paul and women becomes like probably the number one issue that folks really struggle with. And for me, it's really unfortunate because there's not a whole, first of all, there's not a lot of passages that are really up for debate mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to the role of women in Paul. Um, but even the ones that are, are, um, man, uh, Paul says, be silent, apparently in, uh, you know, like first Corinthians chapter 14. Um, but what a lot of people don't know is that this little, you know, I think it's verse 34 and 35 in our Bibles. Um, uh, we don't even know that those were in the original Greek text. Like we don't even know if those are really Paul's words. And, and oh, interesting. Uh, yeah, like for instance, I mean, that's just one thing. And why don't we know? Well, if you look at the manuscript tradition, here's a piece of Bible that literally floats. Uh, it's in different places. Sometimes it's omitted. And so you have like in the study of the New Testament or any classical document, you have uh in all of these, like sort of additions that sort of slip in there along the way. Um, and by the way, it sounds wild for first time hearers of this, but no, in biblical scholarship, no matter where you are on the spectrum theologically, this is not controversial. Um, how it's handled might be different, but mm -hmm. like, yeah, like there's a lot of things that are tiny, but uh, we think maybe it weren't original. So this passage in 1 Corinthians 14 might be one of those. Um, because it, yeah, there's, there's, uh, yeah. there are a few of those, yeah. um, sorry to please, put in there, please. um, like, uh, what's called the pericope adultery, um, uh, where Jesus, the, the, the woman caught in adultery. Yep. 
Yeah, uh, that's Classic. that's also a floater. I guess if that's what you call it, it, it appears in other books in, in other gospels. Yeah, uh, and then there's like the longer ending of Mark. Yeah, uh, which yep. is in some manuscripts and not in others. Yeah, yeah. No, that's great. I mean, those are classic examples. And then there's scholars that take it too far. There was a guy named, uh, I can't remember his first name, but his last name was Callus, K-A. It's like Dallas, but with a K. And uh, he argued as far as like Romans 13 doesn't fit in the New Testament. Like, you know, so, and I, I've, I actually- That would be convenient. My, it would be convenient. Yeah. And I've argued, I argue against that in my thesis a little bit. So, so again, like there's- um, there's these texts that, um, you know, are called interpolations that maybe a clarifying note sometimes, like maybe a scribe had an opinion. And so in the margin would write sort of like the, it seems like this idea fits here or something. And those eventually maybe slip in. Um, you know, I don't think they're always malicious or anything like that. I think I was telling my friends today at, uh, a Greek reading group. Um, I was like, you know, it's amazing what Logos Bible software does for scholars, like, you know, scholarship, like, like it's really hard to screw a lot of things up that without digital resources would have been way easy to screw up. And, um, so I don't blame the scribal process at all, you know, like it's, it's, it is what it is, but you know, like when it comes to certain passages, questioning if they belong in the document isn't necessarily always a matter of it feels good to make sure women know that they're they're equals or whatever like this isn't a progressive sort of 21st century impulse uh, always um it's actually saying for instance if it floats around in the manuscript and in first corinthians chapter 11 paul talks about women prophesying in the church and speak a speaking role right and back in the day, you know, uh, prophecy was mostly foretelling, right? Speaking into the congregation and occasionally foretelling about future things, I suppose. But it was it was really about like uh, rebuke and uh, teaching and speaking uh, what they believe God's truth was. And so like a couple of chapters earlier, women are like talked about casually as though they do this. And then in chapter 14, it's like, no, they can't talk. Seems a little weird, right? And so uh, Gordon Fee famously has really brought up some of these issues. And, uh, you know, so so either we contextualize those verses if they belong there and we start to ask questions about the historical setting. Um, were there influences of some of the cults and uh, religious ideas around them that were coming in? Things like the new Roman women may be coming in, right? Where women are flipping the hierarchy and now women are on top and men are at the bottom in some interesting ways. And maybe it belongs there because Paul's saying like, hey, they need to level this out. Or it might be a matter of education because there's language gaps happening and mostly men would have been educated in that environment. And so there's all kinds of ways that we just really start talking about the logical inconsistency between being said, you know, things being said that they can speak and then they can't. So that's just one text of several that if you really process it to its sort of um, end result, it's like, wait a second, this may not be saying what we think it says. Um, so that, yeah, I think, I think the women, the women part is probably the big one, but, um, 
slavery uh, is another big one. And uh, we could talk about that, I suppose. There's all kinds of, you know, and so I'd say pick your pick your poison and maybe we can go there or wherever you want to go. But yeah, it's definitely a big deal. Yeah. Oh, man. So uh, this is I'm Jeff, you're looking at me. I'm giddy. Um, we just don't have <laughs> enough time for all this stuff. For sure. Uh, for sure. But um, so the slavery thing, I, I hear there's an argument made in women and then with slavery and also with sexuality sometimes that there's a progression. Sure. So slavery is never really said, don't do slavery. It's right. like, it's, it's within slavery. Here's how you treat each other. Mm-hmm. But people argue for a progression that leads to us getting out of slavery eventually. Mm-hmm. Like now mm-hmm. find me a Christian that would argue in favor of slavery. I, I don't know if you can do that. I mean, it's almost nobody. Right, and then right. Si- similar to, to women, they argue for progression, uh, realizing this is a huge can of worms. Is there a sexual progression? I've heard some people argue for it. I've heard a lot of people yeah. argue against it. Um, some yeah. people just think Paul's wrong when he's talking, you know, the typical bully passages, Romans 1. Is there, is there more going on yeah. there, or is, or is it yeah, just, yeah. is it is what it is? <laughs> yeah. So a couple of, couple of things I'll say. Number one, uh, anytime I talk about sexuality, I have to also put my pastor hat on. Um, two reasons. Number one, when I speak about these things, I am, I am in my role as pastor speaking, not my own opinion only, but also I'm a voice for my community. So I want to be very nuanced in naming that reality. I respect that. Um, that's Pangea yeah, church in Seattle. Pangea Church, yeah, and so, so I just want to be uh, aware of that. Um, but I'll also say this: that um, give me a day of the week, and I can argue the text both ways, and that's the challenge. <laughs> Therein lies the challenge um, when it comes to sexuality. Um, there are three passages that the New Testament um, contains that speak to something that historically has been called, um, you know, like homosexuality or same sex, uh, uh, same sex, sex, I guess is what you would say. Um, yeah, yeah. Cause homosexuality is not a word that most, uh, LGBTQ folks actually embrace. I've noticed that that's changed. Yeah. Yeah. That's shifted. Uh, so it's technical jargon, but as an identifier, not so much. Um, so, so I'll say this, uh, you know, I think that, what we have to start with as Christians, I think there's number one, Jesus and the ethic of love trumps any position we may have about sexuality in that um, if love of neighbor is interrupted by our position on any of these ethical issues, we have to ask, why is our love of neighbor being interrupted if that's the center of Jesus, right? Love God, love people. So there's that. Um, but secondly, man, I would say that for me, as someone who believes that, you know, on the one hand, as a historian, I want to read Paul on his own terms, right? But on the other hand, as a follower of Christ and a believer that the New Testament is somehow mysteriously inspired by God, um, I want to take what the Bible says with a lot of weight uh, when it comes to these matters. So that's my long sort of circular thing to say a couple of things. Number one, uh, when it comes to the New Testament, 
whatever those three passages condemn, I believe that it is important that we also agree with the New Testament's opinion. That That is for me. So I won't read Paul and say, oh, that was Paul when it comes to ethical decision-making. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, for me, I, I don't, I don't have a hermeneutic that allows me to do that. Now there might be some cultural nuances, you know, like head coverings or, you know, so there are things where we all kind of pick and choose, mm -hmm. but my default isn't to do things like some people, Oh, I get this all the time. I only follow Jesus. I don't follow Paul, right. you know? And I'm like, yeah. how do you do that? Like, do you realize the gospels were written down way later? Like it right. just blows my mind that people go that way, but I, I get it. So, so yeah, there's, there's that reality that, um, you know, we want to take whatever the new Testament happens to condemn there with utter seriousness. Now, when you're reading Romans one, there's really two ways to, well, there's a lot of ways to take those passages, but there's two ways that scholars traditionally are typically now, I should say, take those either Paul is speaking to, um, some very, uh, well-known practices within Roman imperial ideology uh, that would have included the worship of gods and sexual practices that involved the same gender, um, that would have involved things like um, tutelage of a younger boy, that would have involved some of these other sort of uh, practices of that day that were always exploit, uh, exploitive, I guess, um, in nature. So, um, you know, if, if that's what Paul has in mind, um, then some people come out saying on Romans one, at least like, okay, so what does that have to do with two people who love each other and are committed to covenantal marriage? You see, so, mm -hmm. so that's one way you can take that. Well, the other side of it really is, but Paul is a first century Jew who only has a concept of marriage as man and woman. And um, for Paul, if uh, we could call him up on the phone, you know, we got a hotline to heaven or whatever, like he would still at the end of the day say, uh, this this rubs against the the design, the Genesis vision, right, of covenant between, uh, you know, uh, man and woman. And so, so I think there's legitimate ways to kind of wrestle with both of those views. In our church, we have people of both views, and uh, we we drink coffee together, we do life together, we go to the Eucharist together. Um, we don't make it a requirement for participation. Um, we simply say. That um, if that happened, you know, where we are in a denomination that would be more traditional. And so mm -hmm. what we say to folks who are not as traditional as our denomination would be is that, um, you know, what we would hope is that the same sort of um, guidance that monogamous heterosexual relationships um, have had, that you would also apply to your own discipleship, you know, um, marriage being the context, uh, you know, et cetera. So, so again, like these are not easy issues, uh, pastorally or biblically, um, you know, and the other two passages, again, are they talking about a, um, male who is all, you know, more powerful, more virtuous versus a, uh, softer male as it would be put in the, uh, ancient world, which meant, 
uh, weaker, less manly, uh, more womanish in a sense, exploitable, you know, mm-hmm. um, those are the, those are the big questions you have to really wrestle with. And, uh, I think, uh, you've got some real big challenges, uh, to really wrestle with, uh, in this day. So if I can recommend two books, cause I'm going to kind of stop there. If you want a traditional yet compassionate approach, Preston Sprinkle has a book called um, People to be Loved that I think really gets at a lot of that stuff uh, in a very compassionate but traditional way. Uh, If you want a more progressive view, I think the book um, God and the Gay Christian is a great start by um, Matthew Vines. And so um, read those together, pray bring community into it and um, let's have grace for each other where we're different, you know? So, yeah. yeah. I like those, both those books are, are good and they're different perspectives. And Matthew Vines, I feel like does a good job. I mean, his, you can't argue with his uh, Christian cred or whatever you want to call it. Like he's committed to scripture uh, in a, it's hard to call it anything but high. Like he's got a high view of scripture and he's a gay man and he has his hermeneutic that he's looking through. And it's, it's just interesting. It's, it fleshes yeah. out more, just adds more to the picture, more to the color of the human experience when it comes to interpreting scripture. Totally. totally. Yeah. It totally makes sense. Yeah. And, and I, 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 that's why like in our setting, uh, we've had to say like, you know, although our default would be traditional, like, we're not going to say that you're a lesser Christian if you do the hard work and discern and wrestle with the Bible, you know? Um, mm. But at the same time, uh, you know, we're part of a tradition and we're going to honor that that tradition. Like, we're not going to go picket our denominational headquarters over this. Okay. You know, we're going to learn what it means to be a third way community. We're going to live in the tension mm. and honor uh, our our spiritual siblings on all, all points of this issue. So Nice. Yeah. Hey, um what, what so yeah that i i appreciate that um would uh when scott says he appreciates that that means he's got a mallet in his hand and he's saying <laughs> I, if you I, would I just put your head right there or your heart and let me smash it right now rather, so scott go for it real yeah, quick scott we do have to touch on revelation before we go but go ahead um uh, yeah the um yeah, being compassionate and pastoral. Uh, I, yeah, um, the, the when it comes to uh, sin and violating God's law, God's will for our life. Um, sure. How how do you balance that with car going by? Oh, that's One fine. second. Uh, how do you balance that with? Yeah, you you want your your loving, and you want you want to guide people away from sin, but I I you know if it, if it's if it's sin if it's if it's something that's spoken out against is spoken of as negative, uh, how do you draw the line between affirming that and uh, and still being loving in the Christ-like way, which you know Christ was he was uh, uh, to repent. I mean that's Repentance is part of the gospel to move away from your fleshly desires, those things that sure. violate God's law. Sure, sure. No, I, yeah, no, I hear you. That's a, it's an important, I mean, that's an important thing to really talk about. I think, uh, 
you know, one of the things that I would say is, well, it's okay. First of all, let's say, let's talk about the word repent for a moment. That's just fun. And then we'll, yeah. we'll I'll get into your actual question, but the word repent, right? Uh, yeah, it literally means like turning around, turning the other direction. Uh, it can be used in a very non-spiritual sense in, uh, Greek literature. That's not the new Testament, like all the time. Um, and what you notice is as a general rule of thumb, it's a word that gets used and applied to people who are already convinced in a Jewish context um, of, uh, you know, the need to realign themselves with God. So um, what that tells me already is that if we're applying the word repent uh, to any context, I'm also in that moment assuming that I'm speaking of someone who is already committed or convinced that God is both real and worth following in some sense, but maybe we've gone off track. And so in the way that I would be willing to use the word repent, right, would be definitely to talk to people within the family. And if I'm assuming that there are some people within the family who are following Jesus but have different views on this. And yeah, I think I think repent could work there. But here's the here's the challenge. I think what we have is a couple of things. Uh, I keep saying that. I don't know where that came from. By the way, I don't always reason that way. Here's a couple of things. I've said that like five times today. It's, it's right. Weird. We'll make it a drinking game. So yeah, yeah, you really should. Like a couple shots and then we say this. Yeah. So so like, but seriously, like, I, I think one of the things that we're, we're definitely saying is that um, if we hold that this is a matter of opinion and that there is two ways to read these passages, I think we have to get really nuanced in how we understand discipleship. Uh, what I mean is that um, if I am saying to you, uh, let's say I'm I'm the conservative. I have someone progressive in my context, and I say to them as a more conservative person, I say, um, I don't agree with your theological opinion, but I trust that you know you came to that opinion by wrestling with the Bible. I know how you got there. I get it. Uh, I think the way, like, like you were saying, Zach, Zach, right? Like, yeah. like, yeah, yeah. Like you were saying, like, um, you know, here's Matthew Vines, a guy who loves scripture. Well, I, I really assume that about some folks, uh, in, in our community and beyond that these are folks that really are reading the Bible, uh, through a lens that I basically share and maybe they come to those conclusions. Well, I, I would say that, you, someone could be affirming of those who have chosen an affirming position without necessarily being affirming themselves. Now, I know that feels really relative. Um, and I know that already. And you're like, you know, pinching your leg or whatever. But, but you know, like that's like, that. What? Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I get it. Um, you know, and a lot of this is contextual to specific local churches, right? I don't expect every church to practice it this way or whatever. Right. Um, but, Okay, so there's that. Um, and so if I actually believe that the Holy Spirit is at work in someone's life, I have to also trust that that same Holy Spirit is going to guide people and um, guide others. And it may come against some of the things that I think are true or perfect or right. And I have a lot of comfort in the fact that I don't think God is going to hold anyone accountable 
for their theological opinions about God. Um, now, sure, you could have the conversation about resurrection, some of these central things. But when it comes to like matters that we've decided are at least up for debate, um, I can't imagine a God who um, says, well, your cognitive process that led you to this opinion wasn't good enough for me. Therefore, enjoy hell. You know, like I just <laughs> I can't get there theologically uh, on yeah. any of these issues. Right. And so for me, I defer to the loving wisdom of God and just say, you know what, um, even if even if this thing happens to be sin, even if that's true, um, I would rather folks stumble into certain kinds of spaces that may or may not be sin um, and still stick with Jesus and see what happens than uh, rather just say, obviously you're wrong, therefore we're cutting you out of relationship, we're cutting you out of our community. You know, I just I just can't go there anymore yeah. um, because there are there are LGBTQ well, Christians who I'm like, you you were showing me some beautiful things about following Jesus. Thank you. You know, and so, so I yeah, think we have I, to get nuanced, you know? Yeah. 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 We could, yeah. Good. Yeah. Be loving. And, yeah. Scott um, appreciates there. everything you said. Kurt. <laughs> and oh, now, I do. Okay. Uh, go Scott. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Real quick. Um, yeah. I, th I think there are warning passages and Paul has a lot of them. Yeah. One of those being uh, Galat the Galatians five passage. Sure. Where he lists out a bunch, you know, uh, yeah. a bunch of, sins there and he says that and he's talking to the church right um those who have uh, apparently are claiming at least to be christians the followers of christ right and but he says that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of god yep so from yep. from my perspective um that that is more of uh, uh when it comes to discipleship it's it's leading people away from sin and not not uh, affirming them in it. Sure, sure. No, I totally get that. And the question then, pastor, again, we're now like we're digging into like pastoral spaces. Um, you know, I could I could, you know, we could go intellectual on what happened in the first century all day. But pastorally, I would say um, the kingdom of God is something that is a present and future reality for Paul. And so, you know, there's a lot of things in that list that I would say, dang, like, have I, am I in this boat sometimes? You know what I mean? Like, like, have I fallen in these ways? And um, the reality is that, yeah, a lot of us have a lot of people who follow Jesus and have an abiding experience of the Holy Spirit have, could check some of those boxes, uh, on, you know, and, mm -hmm. uh, and yet here they are um, leaning into uh, the life of the kingdom, however imperfectly, and so. Oh yeah, I, um, and I yeah. shoot. I'm I'm in that. Yeah, I, I, I'm there too. But there's a so, difference between examining and trying to move away from it, turn around, sure, uh, sure. and continuing in it, um, and calling something evil or calling something good when God has said that it's evil or maybe even an abomination. Uh, yeah, there's just no, a difference there. No, and I, you know, I know we're we're trying to transition here, but uh, yeah, <laughs> no, I know I totally hear you. You know, uh, this is one to hammer out over in a couple of hours, I think. But Six I years. would just say that you know the uh, 
the kingdom, right? Like, yes, there are salvation ramifications of it, but there are also, I would say, and Paul, these are experiential realities. And um, sure, there are things that may disrupt our experiential reality of God's reign and rule in our lives. Um, and maybe, maybe uh, these passages, as you would, you know, as you've pointed out, are indeed sin. Um, you know, but I, I just, at the end of the day, I think that I trust the Holy Spirit to be the evidence of that kingdom. And so, if I see the life of Jesus in people. I have to say, wow, uh, as accommodating as that may be, maybe as a more traditional person, right? Like as accommodationist as that may be, as um, messy as that may be, if the Holy Spirit's at work, um, you know what? Maybe I'm just, you know, I'm not comfortable with this, but um, that ultimately at the end of the day has to be uh, my my litmus test, I and guess, for what- and that's yeah. your And that's your trusting- that's you walking yeah. in faith as a, as a believer and yeah. and it's not yeah. it's not them you know those that you're right. pastoring your congregation yeah. regardless of where they're at so it's almost like a, yeah. a test for maybe test is not the right word but a test for you um, in in loving people where they're at yeah 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 and. Uh, you know what? Uh, the transformation process is a process. And, uh, you know, if uh, LGBTQ matters are indeed sin in their 21st century sort of uh, representation, we're, we're still going to love people where they're at. And uh, as they show evidence of Christ in their lives, we're going to we're going to name it and call it out as good. I'd rather have that than folks get more wounded, more, uh, more pain, more statistics of and people are people commit suicide over this. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are matters of life and death for some people. And affirmation um, that you can pursue Jesus as you wrestle with these things. Uh, for me, man, I'm 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 gonna just I'm gonna defer to uh, being wrong. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I know that's yeah. Anyway, I've. I've said much more about these things uh, in our church context, but those are my slippery thoughts at the end of the day that I probably could be more nuanced on if that's what I'd, you know, mm-hmm. focused on in my my prep time today. Yeah, yeah, we could go. Up. Yeah, we could keep yeah. going. On. There's Zach, more. There's Zach, more there. Next question. All right, so we have <laughs> in thirty seconds. Revelations. Thirty seconds left. <laughs> oh <laughs> no! What what is your guys's time frame? Do you have like? Oh, we're fine. Uh, let me, you know what? I'm going to text my wife and just see, cause, cause that's really, they get home. The dogs are going to bark. It's going to get crazy. Yeah. Um, it's all good. Uh, can I have a little longer? I love this. They went Again, out to a restaurant. So I'm we'll telling see. you. Tough. Oh, my, my family's at an amusement park at Knott's Berry Farms. So, what? <laughs> so I'm like, I'm, yeah. I'm solo until 11. My wife and daughter are. Oh. Are somewhere else, and then uh, <laughs> my other daughter is in front of the TV. I'm sure learning really <laughs> great things right now. Oh yeah, absolutely. As all kids do in front of TV, uh, the best babysitter that God has given us. <laughs> I'm sure oh, God man. God has definitely given. You him mentioned this. earlier yeah. though, uh, and anytime you need to go, we'll just cut it off. Uh, nah, that's cool. Yeah. Um, but you mentioned earlier about prophecy. You know, growing up to yeah. me, prophecy was always a few, like almost like the Christian version of fortune telling, like 
future focused, mm-hmm. all of it. And earlier when you mentioned it, you mentioned it being much of the time speaking into a specific situation. And then yeah. some of it was future. I mean, revelation is ripe for the picking in terms of whether it's future or not. Like how does, yeah. how does yeah. that play into it for you? Oh man, revelation, such a big topic. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. So, so I have a little slogan that I sort of coined and I'll just say that and then we can talk about whatever, yeah. um, you know, it, it, cause it is huge, like huge topic. Uh, I often say that, you know, the last book of the Bible is a revelation of Jesus to John for the church against the empire during the first century. Um, and what I essentially mean by that is, uh, John is writing this thing in a context that, um, you know, he's in Asia Minor. There's emperor worship all around him. There is oppressive sorts of policies towards Jewish folks who have seen their temple destroyed. Uh, there's just a lot of um, just violence as a culture. It's just really messy. And uh, a lot of what you get in Revelation is speaking to the mess, right? It's speaking to, wow, like you all are trying to be followers of Jesus in one of the worst situations you could possibly be in when it comes to trying to find your place in a culture. And uh, yet, um, if you stay true, if you stay faithful, if you follow the way of Jesus against the ways of the empire, um, you know, there are future ramifications. Uh, this this renewal of creation, the, the new Jerusalem will come. You know, there's, there are some beautiful future things. But, you know, when you think of Revelation as it's usually read, it's like, man, it gets wild. Like, uh, very, very much uh, everything's about the future. There's an antichrist, first and foremost, uh, which that's not in there. And, uh, you know, there's no antichrist in Revelation, which is fascinating. Um, you know, there, there's just a lot of um, sort of doom and gloom. Um, and uh, I think read in its first century apocalyptic context, uh, we really see much more um, hope and uh, possibility, but also very colorful language about what's going on, both in the spiritual realm, but also how that spiritual realm's informing uh, the Roman reality that they're kind of drenched in. So, yeah, the Antichrist primarily comes from, well, there's New Testament stuff, but the, isn't there also people tie and I don't know, Scott, you can jump in here anytime because you, you're more familiar, yeah. I think, but there's like a tie of Daniel and Revelation. Yeah. And for yeah. my. From my, from what I can tell, as I've kind of shifted away from the futurist views, it, it seems like the more you know about the context at the time, it makes it harder to be futuristic about it. Does that yeah. make sense? Mm-hmm. And why are Daniel and Revelation linked, and should they be, or or how does should we disagree? Yeah. Should we throw that out, or I don't know. That's not really a question. Yeah, you have, you have yeah. Uh, yeah. There's some of the same imagery. Um, that's, that's shared or borrowed, or I guess you'd say revealed by Jesus to John. Um, and, and yeah, the, uh, Antichrist, I think is mainly mentioned in the Thessalonians or mm-hmm. by Paul. Yeah, um, yeah, I, yeah. I think there's one in Peter. Um, yeah. but, uh, but, um, separating, separating it out, um, whether, yeah, whether or not the Antichrist is, uh, mentioned in, directly or indirectly in Revelation, you still have the beast and the false prophet. Uh, sure. So you you still have to you still have to think of 
of the beast and the false prophet in a certain way, and whether or not that one of those represents Antichrist, they, they, there's still characters that that fit into the uh, apocalypse. Oh, yeah, no, certainly. And that's that is definitely a link that is uh, pretty common. Absolutely. Um, you know, this uh, this uh, Antichrist language uh, kind of gets imported, um, you know, like you said. And uh, yeah, no. So so I think there's a lot there. I mean, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the way I read the beasts, you know, the dragon is Satan who's behind the imperial throne. Uh, for instance, the sea beast, I'd say, is sort of the uh, the military power and uh, political power of the Roman emperors. And uh, the earth beast is sort of the uh, cultic activity. Uh, Richard Bachman, I actually have a little quote here, says uh, Richard Richard Bachman says that uh, the earth beast is the one who, quote, uh, or promotes, quote, the imperial cult by setting up the image of the beast and giving it godlike characteristics. Um, you know, and so, you know, as I as I read this um, letter along, alongside other apocalyptic literature, um, I've become more and more convinced that it's really uh, – to use a metaphor that I, I probably overuse, uh, it, a lot of political cartoon type stuff happening in Revelation and pulling back the curtain of what's happening behind their experience, that there are demonic forces that are empowering uh, the these beast characters uh, in Revelation. So, so again, uh, these, there's a lot of ways to deal with uh, a book like this. Um, I would say that in... In uh, scholarship, outside of certain uh, places in, you know, certain evangelical schools, I guess is what I'll say. Um, scholarly sort of broad consensus is that it fits in the genre of apocalyptic literature, which had more definitely to do with uh, speaking to the immediacy of their circumstances than necessarily future stuff. And so that's kind of where I would put myself. Um and, uh, you know, would you include, would you, in sorry about, uh, yeah, yeah. Would you include, um, the last part as, as well, where it talks about the two resurrections, um, and then Satan finally being overthrown. Cause that's the promise that, that, you know, Jesus will crush all of his enemies under his foot. Um, yeah, yeah. Are you speaking to uh, like, uh, chapter 19 and following basically? Am I, yeah. am I thinking about that? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I tend to put most of like 19 forward into the future in some way. Um, but again, I don't want to over literalize what is actually imagery. Um, you know, I, I want to be very, very attuned to the genre. Um, but I absolutely agree. And I think, I think we get parallels of that in Paul, like all of, uh, Christ's enemies will be crushed under his feet. Uh, you even get that in the end of Romans, right? That literally it says that like the God of peace will soon crush Satan, you know, um, <laughs> which people always, unless you sing the youth group song or the kid camp song about that, like you, you know, I, I honestly, I forget that's there. Um, so I, you know, I think, I think I read revelation in a way that for me is consistent with that vision. Um, so yeah, there are things that I would put into the future. I'm not a, there's this sort of view called, uh, preterism, uh, that does a few interesting things. First of all, it dates the book of revelation pretty early 
um, you know, like 60 something right before the destruction of the temple. Mm. Um, and then preterism, at least a classical version also says all of the things revelation speaks about were fulfilled when the temple was destroyed. Uh, you know, and, you know, it'll even go as far as saying things like, and when the new Jerusalem came down, uh, it meant that the new church age had begun and that's the church becoming, uh, the new Jerusalem, you know, they, they really don't do anything with the future stuff. And I, I totally reject that approach. Um, but at the same time, I do think that what you have in revelation is a circular, ultimately it's a circular letter written to real circumstances or real people um, with an apocalyptic style. And uh, Would you say that the, yeah. the audience would understand? It looks crazy to the average person reading Revelation for the first time. Would you say mm-hmm. that they, they would have understood some of the Im- imagery? Or, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that's a challenge, right? Like, we don't have the benefit of... Uh, sort of being immersed in a worldview where these sorts of things are happening and these sorts of uh, genres are coming out, especially because I'm very convinced that uh, early, early Christianity is thoroughly Jewish. Um, you know, it's immer- there's Gentiles, so don't hear me wrong. Right. There's a lot of Gentiles, but these Gentiles are, are entering into a, a Jewish understanding of the world, you know? Um, they're not getting circumcised uh, because that definitely goes against the vision of the nations coming in and worshiping Israel's God alongside Israel. But they certainly are like even probably connected to synagogue realities and that kind of stuff, you know. And so um, apocalyptic Jewish literature um, is definitely something I think uh, – these communities would be familiar with, uh, which is why I think John, the author, would have picked it up, you know, um, outside of the spirit inspiring him to do so. Uh, you, you know, you don't pick up a genre that no one's going to understand. You pick up a genre that makes sense in your community uh, pastorally, I think. So, and, and, you know, you've got examples of this around the same time Revelation was probably written, right, in our uh, in our uh, Apocrypha, which, uh, you know, we don't. Protestants don't all really um, add as biblical per se, but it's there. Catholics, uh, East, Eastern you know, Orthodox has a version too, right? They, they yeah. Some of those. Yeah, and some of the books switch in and out and yeah. stuff. But, you know, in 2 Esdras, uh, which is also called 4 Ezra, you've got a similar sort of genre of book, and it's speaking directly about Rome. And it actually... Uh, I'm, I'm going to read a little of this just because it's super fascinating, right? So this is 2 Esdras chapter 11. I'll just skip a few things here and draw them out. But, uh, you know, and I when I preached on this, I tricked my congregation, by the way, into thinking this was in <laughs> Revelation. And they were just like, what? Subversive. Uh, yeah, you know. You know, it has this thing. It says, like, on the second night I had a dream. I saw an eagle with 12 feathered wings and three heads rising up from the sea. Interesting, right? It's coming out of the sea, just like the beast comes out of the sea, you know, and it spread its wings over the whole earth and all the winds of heaven blew towards it. Um, And it just starts talking about its wings a little more because it's weird and apocalyptic like that. And that's what it does. Um, But it talks about, you know, these wings uh, 
cover and rule over the whole earth and everyone that lived on the earth. Now, if you're a first century person, you know immediately the eagle is the thing that goes out in front of the Roman soldiers when they're marching to battle. This is the uh, thing they hold as one of their sacred symbols. And so here you have a Jewish writer uh, describing this powerful eagle um, and it kind of keeps on going and describing it. And then <laughs> there's this lion that shows up and it's so legit, right? And the lion, which, uh, you know, is the lion of Judah, which that's in Revelation too, right? It says, right. listen, you, and I will speak to you. The most high says to you, aren't you the last of the four beasts pointing back to some of those Daniel type things, etc." cetera, uh, you know, that I made to rule in my world so that I might bring about the end um, you, the fourth has come, conquered all the other beasts that came before you, ruling over the world with much terror and over the whole world with harsh oppression. And it, and it says, you live with deceit for too long. Um, you destroyed the dwellings of those who bore fruit and tore down the walls of those who had done you no harm, i.e. Jerusalem has been torn down, right? Mm -hmm. And it keeps on going, but here's where it gets super... Um, I think just awesome. It says, therefore, Eagle, you must utterly vanish. You and your terrifying wings, your dreadful little wings, your evil heads and your dreadful talions and all your worthless body. <laughs> <laughs> Everything. Then then the whole earth will be refreshed and restored and free from your violence, right? I mean, it, it, it's revelation all over again. Like these folks are used to hearing these sorts of visions of, yeah, Rome isn't always going to win. Rome isn't always going to win. Um, and for Christians, it was taking that genre and saying there is a slaughtered lamb who already won, even when Rome thought it had defeated him. And so um, I, I think it's really speaking into something very particular. Man, that is so good. And you mentioned um, the comic book-like aspect of it. It brings to mind the, the passages in Revelation that I'm going to butcher now, but it's, uh, he, he sees the lion and then he turns and looks and it's actually a lamb. Like, yeah. Like it, I've heard people talk about it as if that that's meant to be kind of comical, like a lion destroyed you. Actually, no, it was this slain lamb. Who's, yeah. Who's powerless, but somehow destroyed you cosmically. Like yeah. Just, yeah. Maybe not the destroying part. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> well in, a, in a sense, like, I, I guess that goes back to like right now for me, when I read passages, like all, putting all of Christ's enemies under his feet, it's hard for me. It, it's easy to go violent there or to, to mm -hmm. see the violence in that. But to me right now, and I try to be open and flexible and all that caveats over, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. um, the spread of the gospel, people starting to follow Christ, people becoming disciples of Christ is a version of enemies coming underneath Christ's feet. It doesn't, it's, it's done peacefully. It's not done violently in my yeah. opinion. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I do. Um, uh, first of all, when we talk about revelation, I mean, the violence issue is a big one. Right. Uh, but you know, there's even that moment where Jesus is covered in blood, you know, mm -hmm. but then when you read it in context, you're like, wait a second, that's his own blood. What? You, you know what I mean? Yeah, like he, he entered the battle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The battle was literally the kind of battle where he gets bloody, not other people. Mm -hmm. Very fascinating imagery. And again, these are all images. These aren't um, these aren't 
literal descriptions. I mean, if you want to make them literal descriptions, you have a futuristic Jesus showing up on a white horse who, for some reason, his tongue has turned to a sword, and yet he speaks out of it and kills people with his face, right? I mean, yeah. you, 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 if you just draw it out to its logical conclusion, uh, it's 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 wild. Whereas, yeah, like that comical, like you see a lion, which is true, like God is ferocious and big and powerful, but the way God is ferocious, big and powerful was revealed in a slaughtered baby lamb who is chosen to be ferociously handled and yet conquered and yet was victorious, right? And so, so yeah, I actually would argue, and I know this is not uh, fair to say, um, but I will just simply say that I think Revelation is actually one of the most nonviolent books of the Bible. Um, when it's read in its genre and its context and its meaning, it's quite, quite subversive. Um, when it comes to subjecting Christ's enemies under the feet, now you get into Paul because that's really yeah. his deal. Um, I really do believe in some sort of future judgment. I'm not, you know, not that I was saying saying this about you, but I'm not a universalist. Right. I, I think I think there is a a future sort of judgment. Um, I think it's more generous than most people think, probably or have thought. Um, but subjecting Christ's enemies, uh, I think, has mostly to do with the spiritual realities. Um, mm-hmm. I, th- I think Paul probably had in mind even the pagan gods you know, um, at times, but also the sort of angelic creatures that we might describe as fallen or bent towards their own sort of uh, self-glorification. And uh, they'll either be bending the knee uh, or they'll be annihilated essentially, I think. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, humanity, uh, will have to answer to the judgment of Jesus, but, um, you know, this is a topic that we won't get into today, but I yeah. think it'll be much more gracious than has been imagined before. Yeah. I like that. That is, that's great. There's a, man, this is so, it's so rich. We could keep going f- forever and ever. And yeah. Ever. And ever, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not yeah, literally forever, right? <laughs> well, eventually we'd have to pee. So we either pee our pants, or you know, we pause. Or, you know, there's there's a lot of things that you eventually have. Right. To do. Sounds like yeah. Kurt has to go to the bathroom. I do as well. <laughs> what is uh, what is next for you? Oh yeah. I know there's a lot. I, I guess it, we haven't mentioned yet, which will be mentioned and be on the show notes, but. Sure. Uh, Rapture Drill is the name of your podcast, the other podcast. Yeah. yeah which is yeah. also great. You go in deep to all this stuff. Yeah. And that's very new. Um, as of like two months ago, I think I put out about six episodes. I've got about four more for this season that I'm working on. You had NT uh, Wright on there? Yeah. Yeah. I had a little blurb from NT Wright. Uh, he did a longer interview on the podcast. And right. I was like, hey, I have you here. Can we talk Revelation for a minute or two? Oh, and wow. Just, you you plan, You were prescient like that. You planned that? Nice. I, I twofered him. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it was good. And he's like, you know, and his nice British sort of accent was yeah. super generous and kind about it. Um, yeah, no. So, uh, yeah, that's a, a new sort of podcast. And if you're interested, you know, you're listening to me right now and you're like, Man, he said some stuff about Revelation. I have no idea what the heck he was saying, but I uh, would love to learn more. That's definitely a space where I'm trying to take a lot of these ideas and just say, hey, I may or may not be right, but um, here's what I'm learning. And uh, maybe it'd be helpful for folks who have had 
real questions. Because uh, at the end of the day, I think a lot of these things really come down to our image of God. Like, what kind of God are we actually trying to worship? Um, and if, uh, you know, if God is vengeful and uh, coming back to destroy, well, that's, that, that's an image that uh, for some people is hard. Um, we don't just deal with uh, these things just because the image is hard. We, we also want to be honorable to the text. And at the end of the day, I, I don't think the text takes us to the place that it's taken a lot of people in the past. And so um, that's kind of my, my baseline is where's the text going and let's go with it. So, yeah. Nice. And there hey, is. Did I hear Rapture? Let's, let's go, Rapture. Let's go. <laughs> All right. Where do. No, I'm just kidding. Well, actually, <laughs> but people think Rapture is in Revelation. And yeah, is there a specific passage and why is that not the rapture or is it? Yeah, there's a, and I can't remember, I'd have to go look in notes and stuff. I don't have it memorized uh, right now, but there's a spot where some people, especially dispensationalists will put a rapture in revelation between some of the visions, I believe. Um, revelation four one. Is that where they put it? <laughs> I think, yeah, it's a, a vision of the church in heaven, I believe, okay. is where uh, yeah, okay. Okay. the preach put it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's – honestly, that's the kind of stuff I grew up with. I mean, it's not like, you know, it's foreign to me. But um, really, I, I just don't see why we need a rapture in there if it's not in there. Um, but I, I could go on. I mean, I don't think it's in Jesus or Paul either. Um, uh, can know. I, can I, yeah. uh, I, I would just, uh, Zach, I guess, uh, yeah, just be careful, not just because a particular word is not used, uh, doesn't mean that it's, I didn't say they, anything. That, I know, I know. Uh, just, Scott's referring to our previous conversations, <laughs> mostly off the air. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So just, just because the word harpazo uh, is not their rapture is the Latin word for it. Right. Is not. Uh, there is there is similar imagery that uh, Jesus uses in Matthew, um, you know, Matthew twenty four, um, and then that's where you get the gather, gathering his people from the four winds, um, and that same those the same uh, the same things are used as I believe it's uh, the 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 first uh, the the seals like three seals three through five or something I, I don't remember exactly. Yeah. Um, that, that same imagery as you. So I just just to encourage people, uh, look at the parallel passages and look at the imagery that's similar between the passages, um, and it's it doesn't hinge on one word being there or not. Oh, I, I I affirm that impulse. I I actually totally agree with that. I just think those passages are about the destruction of the temple in 70 CE. Cause that's explicitly what his disciples seem to be asking. I know there's a bunch of reasons why we could go in circles about that, but um, you know, so I, I don't, it's not, you know, rapturo or whatever in Latin isn't there. So I don't, I don't jump on it or uh, harpazo. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's much more the uh, conceptual realities uh, aren't there in first uh, Thessalonians chapter four either. Um, you know, and so, so for me, uh, why would I import something that 
isn't there in Revelation for sure, and I don't think is there in Paul or Jesus. And so, so that's how I get there. Uh, Surprised by Hope is a great book. If you want an intro, N.T. Wright has done a great job, a great service to the church. It's a book I say every pastor in America needs to read is Surprised by Hope. Really wrestles with a lot of these sort of intro points. Uh, reading Revelation Responsibly by Michael Gorman really wrestles with Revelation specifically in a way that I think is uh, super helpful too. So, um, hey, hey, real yeah. quick, since since we started down this this path, when it when it talks about, uh, I believe it's in Thessalonians, uh, he talks about our, our blessed hope being Jesus uh, Jesus coming back on the clouds with with his angels. What what do you? Uh, yeah, yeah, no, I believe that's a hope. That's a resurrection hope. Um, that's a uh, resurrection. That's all resurrection imagery. It's uh, Sinai imagery built into that. There's, uh, yeah, there's multiple mixed metaphors happening there, um, but nothing about literally being evacuated from the planet. Not, yeah, that's not how the language there actually functions. Um, yeah, so I know that's super yeah, shorthand. Yeah, caught up. Yeah, yeah, being caught up, caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. That that type of language. Sure. And I mean, even if you want to have fun with air, that's the lower atmospheric air. That's not even the heavenly air. Uh, that's well, that's why there. he's coming. To, that's why he's coming yeah. down to earth on the clouds. Sure. But to, where do they come to gather us <laughs> and then takes us where like to the to there? Where? Like, it doesn't say I, to heaven. Right. And so. Well, no, so again, no, so so again, like if you want to take that passage in a literal sense, it's like so he comes and meets us in the air. And then what? You know what I mean? Yeah, he so, destroys his he destroys his enemies, establishes his kingdom, and we rule and reign with Christ for a thousand years. But it doesn't say Paul doesn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, you see what I'm saying? It, like Paul doesn't say that. Uh, and well, so, we, yeah, well, the 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 idea that we rule and reign, reign with Christ on earth for a thousand years in, in Revelation. Oh yeah, 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 and that's another. Yeah, no, I just don't. That's not what that means either. I'm sorry. <laughs> Again, we don't have time to unpack. No, it's, it's really bad. Good. Our bladders so do not have time yeah. for this. Yeah, but I would love, like, if you ever want to just nerd out on just those passages, I would love to. Um, yeah, I know this has been broad, yeah. uh, and I can, you know, and I can respect where you're coming from, and I wouldn't want to be pre presumptuous or a jerk at all. I'm just I more so you were saying nicer. Yeah, no, I think that's like nice. Number four, yeah, nice. On, on you that. know, hey, hey, <laughs> I, I try to be as nice as possible. <laughs> no, I mean, honestly, like I totally res I, I get where you're coming from. I can respect it. Um, I just don't read any of those passages like you read them, uh, at least how you're saying you read them. And so that's uh, that's a challenge, right? Like, how do we read these passages in their world? And the reason I don't read them that way is because I don't think Paul wanted them read that way. And I don't think Revelation's audience read them that way. It has can nothing I, to do with I my get, opinion. Uh, yeah. I get a little, I'm going to get a little snooty and I yeah. apologize. And I've actually got to um, stop in like a minute. My, all right. I got a text. Just yeah. Brief, brief snootiness. Um, yeah. But if that's what the Holy Spirit's teaching me from the scriptures. Sure. Then when your theology is shown to be imperfected, our imper <laughs> when your theology is shown to be imperfect at the final day, uh, God won't hold you accountable to your imperfections, right? Is that what you're getting at with the homosexuality? That's awesome. Well, no, no. Yeah, yeah. So good. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. So good. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Full circle. I kind of thought that's where you were going. Um, no, because God's more gracious than our theological opinions. And so I may be super wrong and I'm okay with that. Mic drop. Boom. Kurt, thank you so much, man. Yeah, thank you. You went above yeah, and beyond. Thanks. You thanks are one of the nicest guys in podcasting. Hey, you know what? You guys are awesome. And uh, honestly, I, I get a lot of joy from this. And uh, 
appreciate you guys doing what you do. I think it's important. And side note, I absolutely love the diversity of voices in your podcast. I love this dynamic. I know you guys don't all agree on everything. Uh, (laughs) You're right about that. I, well, we just need more people that are friends that disagree, you know? Yeah. Um, So keep modeling that, be friends, disagree, and um, point people to Jesus because who cares about the rapture if we're not following Jesus? That's right, Scott. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, theology creator. No, it's okay. Thanks for engaging, Scott. (laughs) So, theology theology curator is is the, the main hub for you. Yeah, yeah. And I, I blog at Patheos as well sometimes. Nice. And, uh, you know, so, yeah, there's plenty of ways to find me. And sure. maybe we'll get a book out of your uh, thesis. Ooh, let's let's see where God takes me. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. All right, well, it's thank your good. family for us. You've been very generous. Thank you so much. Hey, absolutely, absolutely. Hey, you guys have a great rest of your night, and uh, thanks for this opportunity. Yeah, you absolutely. got it. Right. Take care. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Kurt. Peace. Bye-bye. Hermeneutics. Bros, Bibles, and beer, creating sacred space. Scott, you still with us? I am here. Yes. Seamless transitions. Hey, I liked your questions. You know, I disagree with you wholeheartedly on almost everything, but I really appreciate the way you asked those questions. They were helpful, and they represent uh, a swath of our audience. I'll be right back. I got to get some more coffee. Yeah, let me Keep hear from rolling. the audience members. Uh, you know, I want to want to hear from the the, the the truth side, of the audience. <laughs> I love you, Scott. I wish you were here, but I don't. I don't want to. This is already long. It was really good. Uh, so I don't want to spend a lot of time debriefing. But I just want to say I appreciate you and your questions, and I'm glad you engaged, Scott. Scott, okay, that's funny, Scott. Oh, hey. That's really hey, yeah, funny. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. <laughs> I was on mute. I was talking on mute. And I, oh, really? Because like, it came off yeah. as a joke. That would have been funny. That's funny. Oh, great. Okay, erase the part, the mute part then. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. He is truly nice. Man, his podcasts are worth a check out. Man, I'm excited about the apocalyptic uh, reading of, what do you say, Romans and Galatians? Not apocalyptic. Uh, he mentioned eschat- eschatological. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. All right. Anyways, Scott, I love your chest hair. I love the microphone that rubs against it throughout your conversation. And oh, man. Appreciate your time. All right. Thanks. thanks yeah, it was guys. great interviewing you, Scott. Thank you. You're fantastic. <laughs> oh, we didn't get a picture with him. I'll get a picture of you doing that. Anyways, actually, I mentioned to Jeff that the last few times we've had somebody where this stuff is brought up where I know you disagree, you either have not been there or you've been in a position where you can't uh, contribute that much because your boss is hanging over your shoulder. And so I was thinking, (laughs) if he does that again, I'm going to start to detect a pattern. Like, he doesn't... Unless he's talking to me, who he assumes is wrong, you're just afraid to to engage. But I was proven false. Good on you. (laughs) I'm trying to be conversational and it's hard it's hard wait what (laughs) (laughs) all right 
Good job. We have a couple feedbacks. Can we do a couple feedbacks and we'll get out of here? I agree with Paul. Men should lead. Women should follow. <laughs> just like every podcast, we need to just end right there. But let's get to reviews. You wish. Let's get to review. I wish what? You wish that were the case. You know you're wearing shorts. Where are the pants? Oh, your wife has them. <laughs> Scott, he actually is wearing shorts. <laughs> just so you know. Uh, for all the audience knows, I'm not wearing shorts. No, I don't know what those are. And I'm not there. No, you're not. Um, hey, review us on iTunes, Bros, Bibles, and Beer. Use your words. Five stars. <laughs> Use your words. Is that offensive? Drinking at Bible study on Instagram was regarding uh, Sarah Heath's episode. This was a super good episode. Truly funny and interesting. Thank you, Drinking at Bible Study, which is a podcast. Funny, huh? Funny me getting rejected, huh? Thanks. Rejected! Yeah. And then Jeremiah at Death Cab for You. I don't remember. We Hopefully we're not doubling up on some of this feedback. I don't care. We're reading it. Solid episode of At Bros, Bibles, and Beer with at Austin Channing Brown. Thank you, Jeremiah. Did we read that one before? I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. We got more. Okay. Oh, oh, we did one? do that one. Oh, we did yeah, that Black, Black Twitter, Twitter, Jimmy Pacini. But Gene. Oh uh, yeah. I Let's think like those, to say that. I think yeah. We we did I the other yeah. two. Yes. I think yeah. Anyways, feedback us at Bros Bibles Beer on Twitter, Instagram, fi- Facebook, uh, at Jeff's uh, private social media feed. Follow yeah. Jeff on Facebook because there's he, stuff coming. I'm gonna be start producing stuff by there's myself. There's stuff coming. It's going to be interesting. It's oh, gonna be yeah. fine. It'll be normal. It's going to be black and white is what it's going to be. You're in or you're out. None of this. Go to hell out, people. None of this. Whoever's out. Take a back seat to others. No. Yeah. Lead from the front. That's. <laughs> is there any other way to lead? That is right. I don't know how to define that. The uh, only time someone's led from the back is if they were in the back of the white water raft. Lead, follow, or get out of the way. Mm. Right, Scott? If you're not first, you're last. Shake and bake. Yep. Yeah, the, the second place person is the first loser. Yeah. And other bumper sticker platitudes. You want to Benedict us, Scott? <laughs> Send us out. Not not after that. Okay. No, I, I, yeah, I can. I, hey, our blessed hope is Jesus returning, and, and that's what we're looking for, the resurrection of the, of the dead. Jesus going to put all his enemies under his feet. That's victory. Finally, yeah. victory. finally revealed. Amen. Finally Last revealed. Day. Everybody Amen. else can go to he, hell. By the way, he's at my house. He's already here. Bye, Scott. Love you, Scott. I love you. Talk to you guys later. You're a tremendous individual. Feel well. Oh yeah, it's coming along. Oh, you're all. You we don't really care. We don't want to know. Ah yeah. I like the way your shorts fit. He's the big dog. <laughs>